Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. All right, so today we're actually going to be, and and this is probably a very familiar verse for a lot of people, and I hope that you don't check out. You probably heard it taught many times, but this is the joy of doing verse-by-verse teaching um, is is we teach what we have for that week, and uh, this is where we're at. So I entitled this, Are You Crucified with Christ? Are You Crucified with Christ? Um, and we'll look at it in three parts in verse 34 whoever comes after me in verses 35 and 37 whoever desires to save his life and in verse 38 whoever is ashamed of men in my words last week we looked at Peter being um, not only being rebuked by Jesus but remember we saw Peter forcefully turn Jesus around and rebuke Jesus And then Jesus has to do it to him and say, get behind me, Satan. And he wasn't calling Peter Satan, but even though Peter was an adversary at that time because he was being disobedient to the son, uh, Satan was in the midst of the conversation and had used Peter because Peter thought he knew what was better for Christ than Christ did. Um, And now what we're going to do as we turn into the verses this week is Jesus is going to go back from private teaching to the disciples, and now it's going to become public again. He's going to call the crowds to him as he shares this. So this is not something that he just is saying for the disciples. This is for us as well as we look at it. And sometimes when we think about our our faith, our faith is to be lived out through humility, through love, And people see that and they go, I want what you have. Uh, And I I was talking to a young lady as we were um, taking care of the liability insurance that we need for one of the, uh, for the new building. And and she was telling me, you know, we had a conversation that went beyond insurance. That went about talking about God. And she told me how the church had, had hurt her. And that she had stopped going to the church because there was, there was just so many people that acted one way and lived a whole different way outside of the church. And I told her, I said, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm sorry that you got hurt. But those are not really followers of Christ. Those are fans of Christ. Those are people that are, are playing the role of being a Christian that show up on Sunday and they act a different way Monday through Saturday. Um, and I said, as a church, you know, the thing that we're supposed to do with humility is to have agape love. That's a forgiving and a giving love. That means we, we don't, we, don't uh, we, we, we have a love that, that comes from God that, that allows us to, uh, to love on someone even though they may have hurt us. And also to have that caring love that, that has it with humility. And I, I told her, I said, you know, our church is 
just simply teaches the Bible and, and, and you know, all we do is, is talk about your, your growth as a Christian because that's what we want. It's your relationship with Christ. It's not my relationship for you for Christ. It's your relationship with Christ and the way that you spend time with God and the humility that you have because Peter didn't have humility. We talked about it last week. He had pride. He was filled with pride. And, and for us, it's, it's the same thing. And so when we think about, I think it was Kyle Ottoman that wrote the book, um, Fan or Follower. And, and it talks about a casual relationship with Christ. And, and what happens with that is you have a lot of people that haven't committed to following Christ on a daily basis. What they do is they're just fans of Christ. They like that some of the things that Christ teaches, they like some of the things that Christ says, but they don't want to do what Christ is telling them to do. Um, and, and the other part of that would be, is an example of that is they would be, you know, you can use football. It would be no different than somebody being in the game or on the bench dressed for the game, but not even getting in the game. See, in order for us to take the step of faith to do what we're doing, to do the night of worship or to serve at the Cactus Fest or uh, to do this thing and on April, 3rd, April 2nd, I'm going to get the date wrong every time. I have done it every time I said it. Um, is, it is that we have to get off the bench and actually do. We can't be dressed for the game and just stay in the, on the bench because you're missing it. You're just a fan. You're no different than the people in the stands. And, and that's one of the things that I, I would encourage y'all. So as we get into these scriptures, God is speaking to each one of us. And, 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 and you go, well, you know, just check where you're at. Because I know we have a lot of believers in the, in, with us today. Where, where are you at? Because sometimes it's easy for us to get out the game and get back on the bench. It happens. Something happens in our life. COVID happens. You know, one out of three people left the church during COVID. One out of three people left the church during COVID. Either didn't come back because of fear, anxiety, depression, they, 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 they don't feel comfortable being in crowds anymore, or they didn't come back because they were just fans of Christ. They were okay with being on the bench, and then that little bit of time was enough for them to go, hey, I'm done. I don't really need that no more. And, and so for us, we need to be intentional about sharing our faith, even if it's over the phone with an insurance agent. I was like, man, if she's willing to talk about God, let's talk about God. I was like, we want to invite you to our church. I said, Just, you should come see the VFW. You should come to the church. You know? Don't allow one person that hurt you or, or a couple people that hurt you to, to, to keep you from God. You know? And so let's look at it, the verse, verse here in verse 34. Whoever comes after me. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it says, When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also. So now remember, as Jesus is calling the people to him, the crowd was still there. He fed the 4,000, Right? And you had the, the people that were following him that wanted to see the miracles. You had the people that were following him that want to see the demons being cast out. You have the people that were following that were politically wanting him to take over still. And they loved when he clapped back at the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And all these people are there. 
And he says to him, when he called the people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So let's look at that first part, to come after me. So Jesus is teaching us the cost of discipleship. He's calling every one of us today. And, and he's trying to make it clear for us is, is if, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to come after me continually, constantly. And we know that we have people that we see when? Christmas and Easter. When do people come to know faith? Usually Christmas, Easter, funerals, or weddings. That's when people show up to churches. So if the church is thinking that new people are going to come walking through the door that are non-believers, it's not, y'all, y'all have to understand, our job is to go out and share the gospel outside the walls of the church and live our faith outside of the walls of the church. And that's what draws people into the church. I think that's the problem is everybody thinks because we have a building or we have, we have all these different ministries and all this different stuff to offer that it's just going to draw people in. No. It's just going to draw Christians from church that are church hopping and looking for how can you serve me. And that's what happens with that. So when we come after Christ, we need to, to understand that, that God is... is calling us and 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 please understand this there are people that will come in on christmas or come in on easter or they'll come in during a funeral and they'll give their life to christ and they'll say the sinner's prayer but there's no transformation in their life and they never return to the church and what's the question you always ask i wonder if they're saved Uh, you know, it, it tells us very simply the cost of, of our decision of not to follow or to follow. In John chapter 3, verses 35 and 36, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hands. Into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. It's very simply, you either choose to follow Christ and have everlasting life. You repent of your sins. You ask Christ into your heart. You believe in the resurrection. Or either you choose not to, and the wrath of God abides on him or her. It's that simple. In John 6, 4, 4, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. See, the, the drawing is universal, but the rejection is too. Anyone can reject them, and they do. Unfortunately, they do. And, and so um, what we need to remember is that it's not the sinner's prayer that saves anybody or when you go over Romans Road with them. And that's not what saves them. It's the, it's the, what does it say in the Bible? It says that repentance bears fruit. There should be transformation. The old dies. See, when somebody, the question's actually answered when you go, well, I said the prayer. You went right back to your meth use. You didn't come back to church. You just went and did the same thing you did before. There's no transformation. Nothing's changed. 
See, if Christ is, is your Lord, there should be change. There should be transformation. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 says, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandment, commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We cannot go back to the old life. That's why it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, old things have become new. There has to have a spiritual transformation, a new identity in Christ. It's a new birth. The old has passed away, and yet we see many times people will just go right back to the old stuff. And they think that prayer saves them, and they think, well, I have my ticket to heaven. I can just go do what I want to do. And they're fooling themselves. They're fooling themselves. To come after him means to come after him. It's not just on Christmas and Easter. It's to come after him daily. Daily. Like, Lord, what do you want to do with me today? Like, do you wake up that way and that's, Lord, what do you want to do? I want to come after you today. What do you need me to do today for you? How, how is the Holy Spirit going to guide me today? See, the disciples, you can understand as they're hearing this, that whoever has to come after me, let him deny himself. They got to be hearing this and saying, dude, I left my fishing job, my career. I left everything. My tax collecting job, I, I'm, I'm no good to the Romans anymore. I can't even go back to that. And now Christ is saying, no, this is what it's going to cost. This is what it's going to cost. And they've been with him for almost three years at this point. So you can imagine the disciples at this point are going, what? And the people in the crowd too. He says, uh, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, one thing that, we, that happens with a lot of people that I'll, I'll talk with, when we, when we talk about denying self, uh, what they think denying self is is self-denial. And that's not what Christ is talking about. Self-denial is, I'm going to lose weight. And you're probably all looking at me and go, Mike, that's a good idea. Right? I'm going to lose weight, and I am, going to, I am not going to go to Krispy Kreme. I'm not going to get a donut. I'm going to let that go. That's self-denial. I'm going to go to the restaurant I'm not going to have. Like, you go to Saltgrass and you get that big carrot cake. I'm not going to have that. That's self-denial. You know they make that there? Man, tell you what, that thing's like that. It's like a house. Yeah, and all. Right? But that's self-denial. What Christ is talking about, when he, when the word in the Greek for deny, it means to forget oneself. To lose sight of oneself in one's own interest. Right? So Jesus laid down, and I love this. This is, this is from Warren Worsby. Jesus laid down three conditions for true discipleship. We must surrender ourselves completely to him. We must identify with his suffering and death. Remember he talked about that last week. He said, uh, they're going to, they're gonna, uh, I got to suffer. They're going to reject me. They're going to kill me, and I'm going to be resurrected. That's why we talk about that question, are you crucified with Christ? And then he says, we must follow him obediently wherever he leads. See, to deny self means if God is calling you somewhere, doesn't care what you think. Does it, can I, uh, this is something that really gets me going as a pastor because I hear this all the time. Well, I, th I feel that, no, you need to remove emotions and feelings from this and understand if God is calling you to do something, 
you need to do what God's calling you to do. That's denying yourself. If that means I'm being called to plant a church in divine, man, let me tell you something. The enemy likes to get in your head and, and oh, well, you know, you think that's the place. Or, well, maybe it's over here or maybe you should do this or you should go look over here. No, God's called me here. And I think to myself, one of the things I thought to myself the other day was just how, I'm like, how in the world is all this stuff happening? It's all God. It's the Lord. Like, God needed somebody here. Like, to see more outreach happen. Look, we, we've talked about it. There, right across the street here, there's a huge drug, drug issue in those apartments. There are people that need Christ. And we need to, hey, look, <laughs> what, what better than a, a reggae gospel band to draw them out, you know? Like at the end of the day, you know, why not? And, and but again, are we gonna and God put it on my heart? This is what we're gonna do. And, and you know what I love is you pray about it and you get confirmation from God's word. And then what ends up happening is all of a sudden you're sitting around with a group of pastors and they go, well, I want to help. How can we help? Well, I can get this and I can do this, and, th and it just happens like that. And you go, That's all the Lord. See, if, if we deny Christ, that's, that's the wrong thing. If God's calling you to do something, then you need to do it. That, that's, what, that's what denying self means. You're losing yourself in doing what Christ is calling you to do. You know, that's, that, that's a joy to, to see when people do that. The other thing he says is, whoever desires himself, come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross and follow me. Now, the mention of the cross at this point, the crowds would have went, Psst. they would have left. They would have been gone. Now, we think of the cross as what? I mean, it's even on our logo, right? We, we wear it as jewelry. It's not a big deal to us, right? To the Jewish community, the cross meant uh, humiliation. It meant death. It, it, it not only would ostracize your, as you're punished for your act that you did by the Roman Empire, they would publicly shame you. And not only publicly shame you, but all of your family. And so the cross was like, no, I'm not, I don't want nothing to do with that. And that would have thinned the herd out pretty quickly. And so when Jesus is, is calling us, and I want to make sure you understand what it says. It says, take up and take up his cross and follow him. So you're identifying with the crucifixion. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. As a, as a believer in Christ, you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. You get that? It's not about you anymore. It's not about you anymore. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. The problem is, is a lot of people live by the flesh 
and, and their fleshly faith is what's carrying them instead of being led by the Spirit. Um, God has called us to, to live for His Son, Jesus. And, and so, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it, it comes down to that I'm identifying with the Christ. I'm dying to myself daily. Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say, to, to identify with Christ is Christ is telling you to come die. Oh, I almost entitled the sermon that. Follow Christ, come die. And Teresa goes, no, that's too hard. <laughs> she goes, no, no. I was like, no, I, wanted, I want you to understand what he's asking. He's asking us to come die. And so why are so many people living in fear to live? I was just talking about that on the way up here. Instead of people, you know, living in, in, in faith, we see people living, they're, they're, they're living as if they're, I'm going to try to protect myself from dying. You can't. You can't. I don't know how many people I've heard that have tried to protect themselves from the pandemic and have gotten sick. How many other viruses or flus did you stop yourself from getting? None, right? So why would you think this one's different? Every one of you have a, an appointed time of death. God stands outside of time. He knows exactly what day He's calling you home. And if you live in fear of dying, you're not living. You live for Christ. I was eight years old, 21 days in a croup tent. Couldn't breathe. 28 years old, got diagnosed with autoimmune disease. And the doc told me straight up, because you're so young... You probably won't live till 40. 39 years old, I was told, we think you have cancer of the blood. You had to have a biopsy done. I have seen the, I have been in combat. I have, let me tell you something. Live this life for Christ. And if he calls you home, because let me tell you something, and this is hard. And this is probably going to, I hope this doesn't come off without love. But do you understand that the people that died of COVID, that was their appointed time of death? That that's when God was going to call them home? There's nothing you can do to stop that. And, and none of you are promised tomorrow. So live for Christ today. Live for Christ today. Deny yourself and pick up the cross and live for Him today. Because you're not promised tomorrow. You know, at, at the end of the day, what we need to do is our kids and our grandkids and our families need to see when Christians are living in fear, oh man, you look just like the world. You look just like the world. Now, I'm not telling you not to go get, you do whatever you need to do. You need to wash your hands, you need to do, you're sick, stay home. Another thing I see, I see churches closing everywhere. Well, we're getting sick again. Well, just stay home. Because other people still need that, that, they need that fellowship. You can't just shut the church down anymore. Should, that should have never happened in the first place. 
I don't know how many times I'd be at children's ministry and the sick kids would be brought in. I'd be like, didn't it say not to bring your kids when they're sick? <laughs> right? If we, would just start, if we would just start doing what we're supposed to do, right? We'd probably prevent a lot of this stuff. But we need to live for Christ. We need to, we need to understand that every one of us do have an appointed time of death. And I know that's kind of morbid. But man, let me tell you something. There's freedom. There's freedom in knowing, you know, I don't care what happens to me. I really don't. If I get hit by the train on the way home, then that was my appointed time to death. And you go, but, you know, you did run the thing. Well, that was my appointed time of death because I had to be a knucklehead. But at the end of the day, I want to live for Christ. I'm not promised tomorrow. I wasn't promised tomorrow when I was 28 years old. You know, and, and so the other thing it says is for you to take up your cross and follow me. That following, again, it's ongoing. And what happens is that commitment that people have in Christ, that they become a fan of Christ, but they don't follow him. And, and following him is, is following him every day. It's following him every day. It, it's committing to him. It's a, it's a radical commitment to follow him. It doesn't, it doesn't look like anything that we see in the world. You should stand out. You should be like, well, why is, this, why is this guy talking to me about God on a phone? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. Because you're not promised tomorrow either. And, and so we need, to, we need to be that way. Following him, one of the things I think about is Samuel. Uh, when, I, when I read 1 Samuel, I think about Saul. So we talk about Christians that are fans sometimes. Saul's a perfect oh my lord that guy i mean he 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 had pride and anger and wrath against david and he would act nice for a little bit but then he would go back to his worldly behavior and that's how a lot of christians are i i, I and and one of the things i want to make you see is in first samuel nineteen twenty four, it says he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before samuel here he is prophesying with Samuel, and yet, as soon as he gets done prophesying with Samuel, he's going to break his vow to his son, Jonathan. He breaks his vow to his son, Jonathan. He throws a spear. So all this beforehand, he throws a spear at David to try to kill him. He tries to have David's bed brought up so he can kill him in the bed. And then he goes and prophesies with Samuel and acts religious. And he's just a fan of God at this point and that's how a lot of christians are that's how they are and 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 you know one of the other things we see is he in first samuel 28 verses 5 and 7 when saul saw the army of the philistines he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly and when saul inquired of the lord the lord did not answer him either by dreams or by urim or by the prophets then saul said to his servant find me a woman who is a medium I'm going to act like I need God now because I need God now. But if I can't get God, I'm going to go to the world. That's not following him. That's not following God. And that's how a lot of Christians are. Things don't go the way they want. They go right back to the world looking for the answers. And, that, and it's funny because, you know, his, I love it because he's afraid. His heart was trembling. Then he goes to look for answers from God. You know? 
It's like we should always be looking for answers from God. See, the thing is with Paul, with Saul, he was actually, the King Saul, he was actually a, a person that, that, that had religious experiences. But he didn't really have no change in character. He was still the same person. He was still the same person. And, and yet, you know, he still tries to kill David. Right? He gets done with that and then he, he goes after to hunt David down. And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, this is very important for us to understand. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my, my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, not, have we not prophesied? Didn't Saul just do that? in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name and then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness following him is continually following him daily through the ups and the downs of life that's when the marriage is good when the marriage hits a bump when the kids are healthy or when the kids get sick when there's a death in the family when somebody loses a job you know when the business is up or the business is down you continue to follow Christ it's it's part of who we are as believers that's what we're supposed to do let's not look to the world for our answers let's ask God to give them to us let's ask God to guide us and direct us to him you know Let's look at uh, the second point here. Whoever desires uh, to save his life. Uh, and I love these, these next couple of points that we look at. We actually see promises that are given by God. Uh, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. And so we see a promise that, that when you choose to follow Christ and you uh, choose to become a disciple of Christ, you will find life. You actually find life. I found life. I had no life. I, I was sitting around waiting to die. I had no friends. Um, I, I, I wasn't from San Antonio when I first got here, and so I didn't know anybody. And you can ask Teresa. I was sitting around waiting for whenever I was going to die and, and rolling the dice on what was going to happen to me. Because I, I, at that time, I thought my good would outweigh my bad. That's how I thought. That's how I was brought up. But then God came, and I found life. And then my family found it. All the kids got saved. And we're busy as we've never been busy in our life. But it's a good busy. It's, a, it's an enjoyment to see what God is doing, to be a part of it. You find life. There's a promise in this. That word life actually has double meaning and actually is referring to temporal, earthly life and eternal. And, and so, uh, you know, you have a choice that you have to make. You can, you can live in this world and refuse Christ and refuse salvation. So you can call your own shots. You can be your own boss. You can, you can live how you want to live and 
And, and, and the, the end result of that is, yes, you will have eternity, but it'll be eternity in hell. It'll be in hell. And, and, and those are just temporal values, temporal things that you, you're grasping onto. And some people do that because they want to be their own God. They want to live how they want to live, do what they want to do. And it, we, we've been there before. It doesn't end well. We know that. And, and yet, that's what they want. And it's sad because a lot of people are there. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If we lose ourselves, we lose ourselves. But if we lose ourselves for his sake and the gospels, we will find ourselves. So if we lose ourselves, we lose ourselves. But if we lose ourselves for his sake and the gospels, we find ourselves. We find ourselves. And that's why it says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sakes will save it. And so Christ's sake and the gospel's sake, it's, it's an act of devotion is what he's talking about here. It's an act of devotion. It's, it's actually serving Christ and sharing hope with people. Serving the Lord. Sharing uh, in the community about Christ and, and serving in the community. And, and you go... And, and I know this because I, I've talked to people that um, can't physically do the stuff. Like when you go to the food bank, <laughs> if you got a bad back, just stay home. It's, it's tough. Cause let me tell you, I was, I was struggling. I got bad legs. I, I, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. There are days when my legs aren't working, and that's just that's life. That's my, my thing. Uh, the muscles go out, and that's what it is. And... And so physically, sometimes we can't do things. Uh, there are people that are, that are bedridden. And you go, well, God can never use me anymore. Can you pray? You can serve Christ through prayer. There'll be more people. I, I've always heard this about, Billy Graham said this. Billy Graham said that there would be more people that will have more crowns than you ever thought. And you never knew who they were. But they were the prayer warriors behind those crusades. Those were the people that were praying. The ones that were 80-something years old and, and, and just praying. And sharing Christ. So you go, well, I don't have time. Can you financially support? That's another way. There's many ways to serve within the ministries. And, and I know people, I've talked to Pastor Joe about this before as my grandkids come in. Good morning, Jojo. Mom's in the back. You know, as I think about it, as, uh, you know, I think about Pastor Joe would talk about a friend of his that they had in Albuquerque and, and uh, at Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque. It's actually one of the largest churches in, in New Mexico. And Joe served there, and they said there was a guy that just, that was his gift. He just, that's what he would do. And he goes, and, and he goes. As soon as he would, his businesses would make money, he would give it out just as quick. And, then, and and as soon as he did that, more of it would come in. That's just how it went. And so one day he just walked in to Skip and said, "Hey, I bought you a radio station." I was like, "What?" 
And he goes, yeah, Mike. He goes, that's just how he was. He owned all these uh, businesses, uh, restaurants and stuff, and then he sold those off and then bought new businesses and did that. And then he went from trend to trend, and that's what he did. Now, did he have time to be able to serve in the church in that capacity? No, but he was able to help out in that way. And so there's ways that we can, we can serve Christ and, and for the gospel's sake. There's many different ways. So even, even if you don't have, or even, if you, even if you're sick and you're on your deathbed, you can pray. Uh, if you can get out and serve, you can serve and be a part of that stuff. And, 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 uh, but that's, that's actually, if you look at the early transformation of the church, they were doing it for Christ's sake and the gospel's sake. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 43, it says, And then they continually steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. This is the foundation of any church. The word, prayer, breaking of bread, and fellowship. And fellowship is actually koinonia, which means you're admonishing each other with the word. Right? That's what that means. You're admonishing each other with the word. And that's the foundation of the church because look what happens next. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That's what happens. And look as it goes further down there. And, and, and this is a beautiful scripture as well. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verses 44, it says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Can you believe that? We all have everything in common because we are doing it for who? Christ, for the gospel's sake. Right? And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all. And as anyone had need, so continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from the house to the house, uh, and they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, some people will say uh, that, well, this is socialism. This is not what this is about. In the early church, what was happening is when people were coming to know Christ, they were being thrown out of their houses. They were being disowned by their families. And then the other thing that we would have happen is people who were working for certain businesses, you can't be a Christ follower and work here. You're, you're done. And so you had people that had nothing and people were helping. The churches were, the early church were helping each other and serving each other. And you see what happens. And the Lord added to the church daily and those were being saved. So they had lost their life, but they found life. They were saved. And that's a, 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 a good reason for us to be a part of the community. That's why, you know, we have, I know Miss Elva helps out with the Divine Food Pantry. And one week we're going to have to have her come up here and talk about what they do specifically. And, and hopefully we're going to get involved with Third Street Closet. That helps those that have uh, been in um, abusive relationships to get them out of that and, and to help with the family, the needs of the family. Uh, and that's why we help out with the food bank. It's, it, those are the reasons why we serve and, and, and we, we, we want to continue to do that as a church. Verse 36 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses a soul? So promise too, you'll, you'll keep your soul. And let me tell you something, Satan wants it. Satan does want it. 
That's again, death is the great equalizer. One out of one person will die. Every one of us in this room is going to die. Okay? And your soul has a destination. And remember, Jesus was tempted by Satan to, to have everything in the kingdom. Right? I'll give you everything. In Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 8, it says, And the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all things of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said to him, All authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And, and Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. Same thing he told Peter. Uh, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And so we see Jesus himself is, could have gained everything, but it, he would have lost everything. And that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to tempt you with these things of this world. That's why a lot of people, they have a, a, a grasp on these things. And it's like, no, it's, it's, this is not, that's not my car, that's the Lord's car. You ever thought of it that way? When you get in an accident, accident, do you think of it that way? When somebody scratches it or something, you're going, well, it's not my car, it's the Lord's car. You know, I, early on, I had our, we were early, early in faith, and I had somebody steal our car. Took it to a transmission shop, had it fixed, and, and, and uh, transmission was acting up again, so I took it back with the warranty. The car got stolen at the car shop. When we were without a car, we, we were like, man, what in the world? And God blessed us with another car. And I got home. Within a minute, a bird decided to let me know what he thought of the car. And I was like, it's, it's nothing. It's just a piece of tin. It's the Lord's car. The Lord blessed us with another car. And it was like, it was funny. It was like the car was washed and looked pretty. And the, the bird let us know what the thoughts of the car were. So I was like, this is why you don't have a tight grip on things of this world. And so, I, you know, again, that was just something that I looked at. I love, you know, uh, a great example is the rich young ruler. And, and Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, it says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter the inner life, keep keep the commandments. And he said, To which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, I always I always trip out when I read that because he just said there are none good, right? But he said he did all these things, and it's, you know. Um, and he says, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Right? He, he tells him to come follow me. But when the young man heard that, saying he went away sorrowful, for that he had great possessions. Right? He had great possessions. He didn't want to let go of those things. And, and there are people in this world that are the same way. There are people in this world that are the same way. They, they just don't want to let go of those things. They think that everything that they need is, is given to them while they're here on this earth. And they want more and more of it. And all of it's going to be burned up. 
when you when you die and God calls you home, none of it's coming with you. And as as a grandson watching my aunts and uncles fight over stuff, I was like, I what are we doing? Right? It gets left behind. And then you see a lot of people fighting over it. I watch my aunts and uncles act like the devil. To each other, they were family. Because they had a, a grip. And they all grew up in the Catholic Church. And I was like, what in the world? Do y'all understand that all that stuff that you're trying to grab out of the house, all that stuff that you're fighting over is just going to get burned up? The one thing I wanted out of that house, my, my grandfather used to have, he was a bottle collector. And it had no value at all. It was a Clemson Tiger National Championship bottle that he had gotten. Because he, back this was the only championship they ever won. And I wanted that because that was what reminded me of him. And all that stuff got thrown away. Because of the fighting. It all gets burned up. We need to have a loose grip on those things. I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a car, you shouldn't have any of that stuff, or you shouldn't have a dependable ride or whatever. You know, but at the same time, we need to remember that we need to have a light, a light touch on those things. Um, in verse 37, as it looked, as it says, Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And so that's a simple question that Jesus says. There's nothing that you can give for your soul. There's no debt that you can pay for it. So there, the question is, is answered within the question that Jesus gives. And, and people think that there's something that they can exchange for their soul, but there's not. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it says, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct uh, received by tradition from your fathers, but the precious blood of Christ as of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, In Him we, are, we have redemption through His blood for uh, the, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. The only thing that can, that, that can pay your, 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 uh, your way into heaven is the blood of Christ, is repentance. And, and so, you know, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to trade your eternal soul for alcohol, meth, or weed? Are you uh, willing to trade it for uh, um, pornography or adultery? Right? Or, or I want to be my own God. I just want to do what I want to do and don't want nobody to tell me what to do. That's what you're trading it for. And that's a, that's a ticket straight to, uh, to hell. And the things that you're trading it for is just trinkets of the world. That's all they are. The last point real quick, and we'll go through this. Whoever is ashamed of, my, of men and my words. So uh, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, we don't need anyone to tell us that we're living in that, Right? You can just turn on the news and you see. I mean, I, there was a New York police cop that was shot in the head yesterday and another one that's fighting for his life. And we know we're living in an adulterous, sinful generation. We see it just on the nightly news. 
Of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the, with the holy angels. So ashamed it it's, um, means to, to be you're reluctant through fear of humiliation. You're ashamed of him because you're, you're worried about what other people think. And, and, you know, we need to be unashamed of Christ. And in Romans chapter 10, verses 11 and 13, it says, For the, the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the thing is, is we need to remember at, 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 at the end of the day, are you ashamed of His words? Right? Because he, he talks about that. He says, you know, um, He talks about that, that, that you should not be ashamed, but I think at sometimes what happens is, is, is we need to be careful not to be ashamed of His words that He's given us, the, what He's telling us to to do for the cost of discipleship. And we need to remember that He is the Word of God. In John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the Word. And He's telling us what we should be doing. In Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, it says, The law, uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right and rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are the, than they are gold, yeah, than uh, much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them, there is a great reward. If we keep the word... And, and what we have here is you have a general revelation, which is creation. But this is a special revelation. God's Word is a special revelation. It's His Word. It's, it, it's, it's found in that first part of the Scripture. It says it's perfect. God's Word is perfect. Nothing needs to be added to it or taken away from it. And second, the, the Bible was trust, trustworthy. We know that the Bible is inerrant. It's without error. And we need to keep its precepts. And fourth, the commandments, we see that, that God is opening the, the illuminated dark situations on how you're supposed to proceed. This is why God's Word is so important to keep His commandments. God directs you on directions of where you're supposed to go. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. And fifth, the fear of the Lord is pure. I love that because God's Word, it's, it's the reverence of God. He reveals Himself through the Word. And there should be a reverence there. And then we know in the, the, the other thing that He shares is that He's the supreme judge. He's righteous. It's right and true. The things that are given to us in God's words. It's breathed out by God. And, and the teachings of Scriptures are more desirable than gold. And yet, people don't open their Bibles. They never crack them open. God is trying and is like trying to, like if you're going to follow me, this is part of following me. 
it's part of following me it's, it's being in God's word it's actually having a relationship with God where you actually pray and you're, you're seeking God's direction for your life so don't be ashamed of, of my words that's why he says for whoever is ashamed of me and my words my words do you realize the word of God is, is breathed out it's all his words if he's the word we need to, we need to be in it that last promise that's given there, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when He comes in the glory of His Father with holy angels. That means that you have the promise that if you follow Him, if you pick up your cross and deny yourself, you will enter glory. Heaven. He says, I will refuse to acknowledge Him before God and His angels. Because what scares me is, is in Matthew chapter 7, verses 23, which we read, and then I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Because you were just a fan. There was never any transformation in your life. You just continued doing the same things that you always did. But I said the prayer. Yeah, you said it, but you never, you never changed. You just went right back to your life. In Romans 8 9, it says, uh, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed in the Spirit, indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you need to live for Christ today. I love this verse because we could go on teaching this for, for you know, I could have broke this up in, in each part for each promise. And, and, you know, my, my, my prayer for you is if you're on the, you've been on the bench, get off the bench and get back in the game. The fact that you're here, you're in the game. Praise God. Right? You're, you're answering the call to be at church. You know how many people the devil gets on Sunday and Wednesday? Um, man, I'm tired. Now, I'll watch it online. That's what's happening now. I, I just think I'll watch it online this week. It happens. You get in the game. And you go, you know what? Uh, you know, I think I, don't, I got a bad back, but I can pray for y'all's event on, uh, for the food bank. <laughs> I can't do it. But you can pray for it. That's, that helps. That always helps. Prayer is a, an amazing thing. The church will grow quicker because of prayer than anything. But we need to be actual followers of Christ. And so I ask you that question, are you crucified with Christ? Are you crucified with Christ? Start picking up your cross and denying, denying self. Not self-denying, but denying self. And ask if God is calling you to do something, then, then do it. Be obedient to him and do it. Step out in faith and do it. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for today. We do ask that you would just continue to be with us as we um, just have this time of, uh, of, uh, of just being in your word, Lord, and being together as a church. We thank you so much for each person here. I, I just pray that you just continue to bless them, bless their families, their marriages, their businesses, Lord. Be with them, guide, direct them. God, I ask that you would show them the directions they're supposed to go. Give them wisdom, discernment. Um, give them encouragement. Correct them if you need to correct them, Lord. 
but allow us to actually live out this word in our life through application. Allow us to actually live with humility and love, and that's agape love that we are, a love that's expecting nothing in return as we're out in our community, as we're in our marriage, as we're with our families. Uh, I just pray for, for what's happening in this, in this county. I pray for what's happening in this church and uh, the move that's going to happen. I ask that you be with us. And, and you know, as we hear just the blessed joy of kids having fun and being together, um, I pray that that classroom would serve them well, uh, that it would be uh, just more space and things for them to do. And they, they even have a place to play outside. And, and so we thank you for that, that you provided that. We thank you that, you know, when I look at that, Lord, I know that you set that up. It all happened from the night of worship. That conversation started there. And uh, it just goes to show, Lord, that you are continuing to guide and direct the church. You're continuing to guide and direct each of our lives. And I just pray that you be with each one of us, Lord, and those that are watching online and those, again, that are sick, Lord, just bring healing to them. Just bring healing to them, Lord, and um, let's live for Christ today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.